Today on Broadway for Monday, July 30th, 2018, I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James back from a heroic trip to the animal hospital with one of his <laughs> cats. Glad that that's all settled. Uh, I'm sneezing from here, though, just so just so you know. Um, James, in the feed this weekend, we had a couple different episodes. First, Natalie Nowak was back with a new uh, podcast, a special episode where she talked with uh, actress and teacher Christy Cates, as well as music director and composer Georgia Stitt. Uh, the conversation re- resol- revolved around the New York Times review of the Smokey Joe's Cafe revival off-Broadway that we talked about earlier in this week and the perceived body shaming that happened um, over the costuming of actress Alicia Umphress. Uh, really good conversations there. Uh, both of these women are, are very insightful and very knowledgeable uh, about all aspects of the theater, but really were able to hone in on some of the issues uh, that, that are really at the forefront uh, of this conversation. And then on Sunday, James, you had this week on Broadway where Peter was back and you guys talked about a bunch of stuff out of town, but then also discussed this ain't no disco and my life on a diet off Broadway as well. Yeah. uh, So we talked about Peter's two weeks uh, traveling and he uh, uh, saw Freaky Friday at Music Theater Wichita. And he also talked about Future Fest at Dayton Playhouse. Uh, and uh, Michael uh, completed the cycle in seeing the Fiddler in Yiddish at the National Yiddish Theater for oh, yeah, Spene. Yeah. Uh, and a few other things that had happened there. So we had a full episode, just all reviews and discussions about theater uh, for this week on Broadway. It was, uh, it was very interesting to uh, be a part of. And Michael uh, gives uh, said the Fiddler is the best Fiddler he's ever seen. That's amazing. I've so many. I've heard so many people say that. So uh, there's obviously something very special going on over there. And I wonder, with a name like Joel Gray uh, as the director, I wonder if there might be a future life for that somewhere else uh, after this uh, this specific run is over. Michael talked about a, uh, a a cast recording, if not a video recording of this. Oh wow! Thing. Uh, very so, cool. Yeah, very excited. All right, first up. Uh, in the news. So uh, Ben Brantley uh, got up on Friday morning and listened to Today on Broadway. <laughs> no, no, and, no, no. Uh, and said, I need to step back and take a look at my life. And uh, he did, and then he issued an apology. He was going to do it directly to you, Matt, but he thought better to... Ex- uh, extend his apologies uh, through the New York Times official channels. So why don't you tell yeah. us about that? Yeah, I would not be someone he needs to apologize to. And I don't have a ton to personally say about this, James, because I feel like I said a lot on on Friday, although I'm, I'll probably have stuff to say. But you're right. Uh, on Friday mid-morning, I think, late morning, uh, the official Twitter account for the New York Times theater section tweeted out the following statement from Ben Brantley. I feel horrible about having offended transgender and non-binary communities. I was trying to reflect the light tone of the show as well as a plot point in which one character learns to acknowledge another, not as she, but as they. This was meant to be a reference to the character of the Oracle, not Peppermint, the person who plays the role. This unfortunately read as more flippant than I would ever have intended, especially with regard to performance that makes a historical first. I am deeply sorry. Now, James, I tend to... To just as a rule, I tend to try to buck my cynical side and always try to take people who apologize 
at face value and take them at their word. So I would never want to say somebody who is making an effort to publicly apologize. And I would never want to say that they're lying or that it's not a truthful apology. However, to me, this seems much more of a tertiary apology that did not actually come with much introspection. Because as I talked about on Friday, I feel like the issues with this review were far more reaching than just that one comment. And it seems to me that maybe Mr. Brantley and the people at the New York Times said, let's pick out the one part of this that is easiest to explain, even if that explanation doesn't necessarily pass muster and put that out there and let's move on. Because what they didn't do is talk about all of the other places in the in the in the review where Brantley seems to offend people, uh, whether they are trans people or anybody else. And they did also didn't talk about to me, which is probably even more offensive, how it got through the editorial process to make it to print in the first place. So again, I believe that Ben Brantley is, is upset and, and, uh, and is sorry that he offended people. But I, what I don't see in this apology or from any other actions is that either he or the New York times are actually examining how this might've happened and how they might correct it in the future. <sighs> I, I saw a lot of people on social media that were, uh, overjoyed and very happy about this apology. And I am unsure if this is a reaction because um, just it, 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 we have a president that doesn't apologize for anything and that they were happy to see somebody in a position of power to do some introspection. But I, I can see your point here. Yeah, I mean, and I, I said on Friday, I did not expect them to do anything. So this is certainly more than I expected to come out of this, especially since we haven't heard anything from either the critic other than a couple of the tweets she sent um, and nothing officially through The New York Times uh, about the incident with uh, Alicia Umphress and Smokey Joe's Cafe earlier last week. So this is certainly more than I thought. But I think there are a lot of people from certain corners of the theatrical community that feel like there are a lot of problematic things that Ben Brantley showed throughout reviews a lot that have never been touched on before and this is just the tip of the iceberg and I don't think this apology satiated their issues with him so we'll see what happens moving forward and um, we'll see if there's any more pressure applied for something further to be done in this case all right so let's uh, stick with the gray lady and talk about our recommendation section oh yeah uh, th I this is another thing that I don't really have uh, much to say on this but um, over the weekend, Michael Paulson for the New York Times took a very reasoned, fair look at the events that led up to the suicide of Chicago standby Jeff Leffelholz. I, I don't think there, there was a ton of new information brought to light in this piece, but I do think that Paulson brings a sense of objectivity that has been lacking in a lot of the coverage of this situation. And James, we said early on, we we weren't going to talk, you know, about a lot of the rumors and stuff that go on uh, that were going on with this. So uh, but I did want to make sure that people were aware that The New York Times has waded in. And if anything develops, I think what this more than anything else tells you that they are obviously aware of it and are committed to bringing this story to the light, if anything further develops from it. 
But moving on to something else that I'm going to recommend that is on the complete opposite note. Last week, What's On Stage, uh, the UK version of Theater Mania, reported a great story about the West End musical Knights of the Rose, which is a jukebox musical featuring songs by Meatloaf, Bon Jovi, Enrique Iglesias, and more that is actually set during the Middle Ages. So anyway, one of the actresses in the show had to call out at the last minute, but her understudy was already slotted in for another track. So with just a few hours before the show remaining, front of house worker Jennifer Caldwell rehearsed and went on in the show. Apparently she's a working actress, but was working uh, in the box office uh, as kind of a day job. So it wasn't a complete leap for her, but it definitely feels like this is something, I mean, this is a West End show, James. I feel I, I guess this can happen in London. And they had some other stories about how people left one show to go step into another show recently over in the West End because uh, they'd been in that show before. I don't know that some of these things are possible with New York equity or with uh, the U.S. equity as they are maybe with the uh, British version of equity. Yeah, uh, as we've talked about before, the uh, British yeah. uh, the British equivalent of actors equity uh is not quite as strong of a union as it is uh, for the Broadway performers here in the uh, in the United States. So, um, uh, you know, we have backups upon backups. We have uh, where, where yeah. they have an airplane alphabet or something like that, uh, an el- alphabet that can get on an airplane at any moment and be at any point in the world in under eighteen yeah, they, hours. Yeah, huh? they've got uh, uh, Jersey Boys used to have that. I believe there's Universal Swings for Wicked and for Hamilton currently. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're on. Go to Teterboro. Get on that plane. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. One more um, recommendation that I'm going to read, and this is going to be a hate recommendation because this is one of those things that I read and it just upset me. Um, but it's from a publication that I'm not familiar with, but it's The Week. I don't know what that is. Um, it's a conservative, but, uh, conservative uh, rag. I didn't know that. That makes so much more sense. Um, anyway, it's one of those articles that talks about how bad it is for theater to allow streaming versions of shows to be disseminated into the world. We've all heard these arguments before. And like those uh, – like all of those before, this one from Jeva, Jeva Lang or Yeva Lang. I don't know how to pronounce her first name. Uh, this one's particularly maddening to me, James, because it more or less claims that regional theaters in the UK have stopped doing plays because of the success of NT Live, that they just put those up instead of actually performing actual plays on their actual stages. Now, granted – the author doesn't actually cite any names of theaters that do this or provided any data about the decline in productions in the UK uh, to back up this assertion. She just says it and lets it hang there for, you know, for me, from an art form that is so interested in disrupting its form. And we praise shows that think outside the box and, you know, colorblind casting and, and gender fluid casting and things like indecent um, that kind of break the, the the molds. We love that from the artistic side of theater. But on the business side of the theater communities, it is so anti-progress and innovation. It's crazy to me, James. It, I don't I, you know, I certainly don't know the dollars and cents of it. I don't know how much money would have to go to the unions to do all these things, but I am confident that if done properly, filmed versions of shows available on streaming service will only be a boon to the art form and to the industry and will actually bring more people into theater. There's no reason to bury our heads in the sand and just say, 
oh, here's all the problems. Let's just not do it. Let's let everything else pass us by, uh, because that's what I really think will happen if we don't find ways to innovate and to get more people into the theater rather than allowing tickets to skyrocket and and making it a very bougie thing that only certain people who have the disposable income to go to theater are even interested in. So I, I hate this uh, article. I, I hate this argument. And I think we need to stop making it and need to open our eyes and figure things out. Well, you know, on the flip side, I remember, you know, a number of years ago when uh, the movie of Chicago came out and it <laughs> closed the Broadway production right away. Right. Same thing with Phantom. Yeah, that Phantom thing and uh, and that, you know, she loves me thing. That was a big, huge failure. So mm-hmm. they should stop that immediately. Right. And putting putting Shrek and Newsies on Netflix, that's completely dried up the appeal of those shows. At nobody nobody, nobody does the, either of those. Nobody's going to do nope. either one of those. No. Nope. I can and, literally uh, name I can literally name four theaters that are launching productions of Newsies in August. And we have this American in Paris that's uh, coming up. That'll certainly kill any subsidiary uh, markets yeah. from doing it. Yeah. So, Just okay. stupid freaking different. All right, Matt, what other news do we have? All right, got just a few more things before we send you on your Merry Monday way. First, slacker Danny Max Crumb will star in the New York premiere of Douglas J. Cohen and Dan Elish's new musical, The Evolution of Man. That's spelled M-A-N-N. Directed by Joe Barros, the show is currently slated to run from September 23rd through October 4th at The Cell on West 23rd Street between 8th and 9th Avenues. The show follows Henry Mann, played by Crumb, a 30-something single New Yorker eager to settle down. Or so he thinks. After receiving an invitation to his ex-fiancee's wedding, he and his lesbian roommate embark on a quest to find Henry's soulmate, his perfect date. Complete casting will be announced soon. Sticking off-Broadway, the new musical... I, I don't know how to say this. It's R-R-R-E-D. Is it Red or is it R-R-E-E-D? I don't know. Someone let us know what this is. Um, anyway, that show will feature a lineup of special guests to fill a cameo role at each performance. Scheduled guests so far include Chris Sieber, Ariana DeBose, Kate Rockwell, Tova Feldshu, Car- uh, Kara Lindsay, Lauren Warsham, uh, uh, Frankie J. Grande, and more. The show will feature Katie Thompson, who wrote the score and co-wrote the book with Adam Jackman and Patrick Livingston, Matt Lore, Marissa Rosen, and Kevin Zack, and will play at the DRT Theater beginning on July 28th. If you would like to know when each of the special guests are slated to be in the show, check out the show notes at broadwayradio.com. Now, the show is described thusly, and I, I think that our... Uh, our friend Julie Musback uh, uh, really wants to champion this show for obvious reasons. By the year 2100, the recessive gene that causes red hair may cease to exist. Now, in the year 2018, a secret redheaded revolutionary organization is taking matters into their own hands, fighting back against their imminent extinction and standing up for the rights of redheads everywhere. Gingers unite. Um, you, know, uh, uh, you, you know who should be in that, right? Uh, who? Rachel York. Are you saying that she, her current job isn't going to last long enough to, uh, no? I have no comment. I've not seen it yet. 
Oh, that's right. You're seeing it this coming week. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so on Friday, Variety confirmed what had been previously rumored, I think from Baz Bomba Boy, actually, uh, that Lin-Manuel Miranda has joined the cast of the new BBC series, His Dark Materials, based on the fantasy novels by Philip Pullman. Tom Hooper will direct the first two episodes and recent Tony winner Jack Thorne will write the script. Miranda will be starring opposite James McAvoy and Ruth Wilson in the show. And finally, on Friday, Telsey Plus Company announced that they would be opening up their search for actors to play Roger in the upcoming Rent Live. If you are interested in submitting yourself for the role, we will have a link to the information in the show notes. And if you would like information on that or any other stories, please head over to broadwayradio.com. Now, James, they're just opening this up for Roger, so I'm assuming that means that they've got everybody else cast? Mm, well, Telsey and Company really... Um... They are, aside from being wonderful casting directors, they're quite the marketers. So I wonder if this will end up being a drip, drip, drip. So, Could be. Uh, yeah. What's interesting is they, they, they it does say that uh, rehearsals will start sometime in November. So hopefully we'll start to hear some names, especially whatever bigger ones they have, come out here sooner rather than later. Hmm. All right. Uh, that wraps it up. Why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMAT. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for kicking off your Monday with us. And Matt and I will be back and start August with you. Is August tomorrow? No. August will be, no, be 31 Wednesday. Days. Oh, 31 days. Wednesday. 31 half July. Is that how that goes? Yeah. Well, summer's <clears throat> half over. Oh, half. Nah, never mind. <laughs>